0: scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 5 starting at verse 1 now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn Or the part of Scripture that, that is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Man, it's obvious why it's called that because Jesus goes up on a mountain and his disciples come to him. And his disciples are there gathered around him as he's teaching them. And there's crowds there too. The crowds are out behind the disciples. The disciples are the ones that are right there in front of him, the ones that can best hear his teaching. And the rest of the crowds, they're They're coming up close, trying to see what they can make of of what this itinerant teacher, this Jesus, has to say. And as he starts out over and over again, he uses this word, blessed. The Greek word makarios, which, blessed's blessed is a fine translation of that. You can also translate it happy. Other words that, that come along those lines might be content, joyful, satisfied. If you read it in Latin, you'll see the word Beatus there, from which we get the word Beatitudes, which is the name for this section of Scripture. When we read what Jesus has to say here, some of it might seem sort of strange. You mean God wants us to be blessed? God wants us To be happy? I've met some Christians throughout the years who seem to think that you need to be unhappy if you want to be a Christian. I've even run into some people out there who think that God is part of the unhappiness game. They picture God as an old grouchy man, sitting on his throne, ready to get you if you have the least bit of fun. But that's not the God that we see here. It's not what we hear Jesus teaching. So if Jesus is teaching here about the blessed life, about the happy life, how do we get there? And when we get there, what does there look like? We know what the world says. One thing the world looks for in the blessed life and the happy life is wealth. And and it seems to think that way now more than ever. We look at the rich people of the world and how they just keep getting richer and richer and richer and controlling more of the economy. We run into people who, if you ask them, how much do you need? The constant answer is just one dollar more. One dollar more. Yet we look at all that wealth and it seems to bring anxiety. Doesn't seem to bring contentment. We read in Scripture in 1 Timothy 6 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. The world says happiness comes with wealth. And wealth, if you attain wealth, it'll make you happy. But it doesn't look that way world also offers us the recipe of fame. Be somebody that everybody looks up to. Be, be somebody that not, every, not just that everybody looks up to you, that everybody wants to be like you. They want to be you. They envy you. They look at the ease that you appear to have in life. They look at how everybody talks to you and everybody loves you. And yet we look at the people that have achieved fame. And so often we see through the cracks that their lives are empty. We can be the most famous person on earth and still have an empty life. A life devoid of happiness, a life devoid of blessing. Well, the world says maybe it's not, well, maybe it's not pain. Maybe it's fun. Maybe it's having a good time. When you're truly happy, you're having a good time. Or if you have fun, then you're going to be happy. Have any of you have been to the happiest place on earth? There's a place in America that advertises itself as the happiest place on earth. Disneyland. You go to Disneyland and you get on a ride and it throws your body all over the place. Or or you see Mickey Mouse. Have any of y'all seen Mickey Mouse at Disneyland or Disney World? What expression does he have on his face? A big smile. Does he ever have anything but a big smile on his face? No, he's plastered there. He can't do anything else. Maybe it's not Disneyland. Maybe it's Finland. You look at surveys of the world population, all the countries of the world, the happiest place is Finland. People are eh, marginally wealthy, marginally healthy. I'm not sure if they're still happy though with belligerent Russia on their border. Or maybe if we believe ads, may- maybe the happy place is a casino. Have y'all ever seen the ads for casinos? Have you seen the faces of the people there? I just lost all my money. I don't know how I'm gonna feed my children. Now, too many of the people I've known who have frequented casinos, that's the reality. But you look at the ads, what are they? It's excitement, it's fun. Looks like happiness, but it's not. And we think even of those places, Disneyland, Finland, the casino, those aren't accessible to everyone. I'm sorry, not available all the time. So what is this there, this sense of happiness, this place of blessing? How do we get there? One reading of the Old Testament gives us a sense of what there looks like. It's the idea that if you do the right things, you avoid sin, if you do all the right things and get in line with God, then you're going to be blessed by God. You will be successful. And you'll be happy. You'll be blessed. But then we can also look at, at some of the biblical reasoning we see that sort of the flip side of that. If you're suffering, if you're going through hardship, oh, that's a sign of God's curse. That's a sign of your sin. But then we read a little more in the Bible, and we look at Job in the Old Testament. Job cuts against that view that doing everything right makes you happy and blessed. Or we can look at the story of the blind man in John chapter 9. You remember that story, don't you? Jesus and his disciples are walking along, and they come across this blind guy. And the disciples say, hey, Jesus, who sinned? This guy or his parents that caused him to be blind. Because you're blind, you're obviously cursed. You're obviously not blessed. Jesus says, not because he his sin, not because his parents sinned. But it's an occasion for God to be glorified. Or we could look at Jesus himself. And look at his happiness, his blessedness. Look at at the end of his life. He's rejected by his friend. Even his best friend Peter denies him three times. All the others run away. And who is it that arrests him? Who is it that hands him over to the Romans? It's his own people. His fellow Israelites. And we see this Jesus convicted. Beaten nailed to a cross. You look at him there, and anybody hung on a tree, the Bible says, is under the curse of God. You look at Jesus on the cross, obviously cursed by God. And if it happened, obviously he must have deserved it. I mean, everything happens for a reason, right? But the Bible makes the opposite conclusion about Jesus. It takes the obvious shame of the cross and combines it with the reality of the resurrection. In Hebrews we read, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. When you look at Jesus' life, it's the work of God that made the difference. Likewise, it's our connection with God that makes for that happy life. The blessed life. How do we get there? No. We see here in the Beatitudes, we see an offering of how to get there, the prior state, and then we see what being there, what being blessed, what being happy looks like. Now I wonder as we look at this today, that which of these would we choose for ourselves? If we look at the right side, if we look at the end state, my guess is we all choose that. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh yeah, we want to have the kingdom of heaven. Be comforted. Oh yeah, we want to be comforted. Inherit the earth. That sounds pretty good. Be filled. Oh, we want to be filled. We don't want to be empty. To be shown mercy. Being shown mercy is great. Seeing God. We sung about that earlier. Being called children of God. Oh, that sounds so good. We look at this in state here. Oh, that's happiness. That's, that's blessing. That's a life of blessing. We want that. We hunger for that. We choose that. But what about the left side? What about the side of, of the state before, the state that Jesus looks at? And says, these are the kind of people that will be blessed, that will be happy. Are we just quick to choose that? Poor in spirit. Are we, are we really excited about being poor in spirit? About maybe not having fun all the time? About maybe not feeling happy all the time? Of feeling downtrodden. Blessed are those who mourn. Who on earth would choose to mourn? Who on earth would choose to have people around them suffering and dying? Who, in their right mind, would choose to lose a job, to lose their income, to suffer? And yet, Jesus says, these people who are suffering, these people who are mourning, these people who have nothing in the eyes of the world, they're gonna be comforted. Blessed are the meek. I'm not sure many of us would choose to be meek, to say the truth about ourselves, to recognize that that we're not at the top of the heap. To not to recognize that we're not awesome people, but to be humble, to hear the truth about ourselves. And yet Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now if we could read that as those who hunger and thirst to fix things in the world. We see people around us who are doing the wrong thing, they're believing the wrong thing, they're acting the wrong way, and we want to fix them. That's one way to read that. I think given the tenor of what Jesus is saying totally here, it's more the idea of people who have been wronged. People who have suffered because other people have run roughshod over their lives. And so they're hungering and thirsting for God to step in, for God to intervene, for God to make things right. We don't choose to be generally those people who have been abused, those people who have been mistreated, those people who have been cheated. Yet Jesus looks at those people, the people that we often look at as the nobodies in the world. Jesus says, They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, Maybe maybe we can choose that. Maybe we can choose to look at the people around us, the people who haven't gotten it right. Maybe the people that have messed up. Maybe the people that, that don't have it all together. Maybe the people that have fallen into addiction. Maybe the people that have tried over and over again and failed over and over. We can choose to be the people that offer them mercy. Jesus says, will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Do, do we choose to be pure in heart? Do we choose to limit the things that we put into our mind, into our heart, into our life? Or we say, well, we're going to go with some of this and, and we'll do that pure stuff. That's, that's Sunday morning stuff. Or, or maybe in our culture, Wednesday night stuff. Or, or maybe in my five minute quiet time in the morning, that's when I'll do the pure stuff, but but the rest of the life, man, you just gotta take it as it is, Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Do we choose to be peacemakers? Do we choose to represent Jesus in places where there's conflict? Everybody we say, oh, there's conflict, I'm going somewhere else. Then there's the really strange things. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. We're not likely to choose those things. And yet Jesus intimates here that we're going to find ourselves in that situation sometime. When we live His way. We follow the way of Jesus. We take Him as our teacher, our master, as the one who shows us the nature of the good life. We're going to run against the ways of the world, we're going to encounter friction. Our challenge today is to seek happiness, to seek blessing on God's terms not on the world's terms. As I read this passage, my first guess might be that some of these things are commands. Be poor in spirit. Mourn. Be meek. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be merciful. Be pure in heart. But those aren't commands. Jesus is saying people that are like that, people that are going through this stuff, they're They're blessed. God's going to do something for them. The only command of this passage is in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and be glad, you who mourn. Rejoice and be glad, you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Rejoice and be glad, you who are pure in heart. Rejoice and be glad, those of you who are poor in spirit. Rejoice and be glad, you who are persecuted, downtrodden. I think it's good news here that happiness, that blessing, is completely possible even in the midst of hardship and suffering. We see here that this blessing, this life of happiness, is intimately connected with Jesus and his kingdom. That's why in the next chapter of Matthew, he can say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Happiness, blessing, is a gift to be received. It's not an achievement. It's not something we earn. It's not something we work ourselves to the bone to get. It's a blessing God offers. Will we receive it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you love us. I thank you that whatever is going on in our lives, now or in the past, That the world might look at and say, ah, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve happiness. They don't deserve blessing. There's no way it's going to happen. I thank you that you're bigger than our past. You're bigger than our present. You're bigger than the things that, that seek to destroy us and drag us down to the pit. Thank you that in Jesus, in his kingdom, we can find blessing. We can find life. We can find happiness. Amen.